So now you know how it works. We don't have much time. Hurry up. Let's practice it now. What's wrong, Vegeta? Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of The Lines Led by Donkeys. I'm Joe, and with me today is Travis. Howdy. It's been a couple months. How have you been? Yeah, um, well, I mean, it's been a pretty uh, busy couple of months for uh, a number of reasons, um, particularly in the last, like, I guess, like two, three weeks. Um, for those who have been remotely online, probably noticed that uh, there's been a lot of tensions with Iran um, in the last like two weeks or so, more so than usual. Yeah, for a bunch of nonsense, uh, nonsense reasons that we we don't really need to go too much into depth. But the bottom line was that um, the U.S. claimed that the U.S. government claimed that uh, Iranian militias in Iraq, because there's there's a number of uh, militias in Iraq that are supported or backed or some way involved with the Iranian government. And the U.S. government was claiming that these militias were Im- imminently planning attacks on American citizens working in Iraq, either civ- like civilians working in um, you know aid or development or whatever, um, like I am, or military or government um, facilities. Because right now there's more than 5,000 U.S. troops in Iraq. And uh, so the, the U.S. government was claiming that these militias were, you know, imminently planning serious threats or attacks against these uh, American targets. Um, and as a result, they did the actually unprecedented uh, move to evacuate all non-essential personnel from the U.S. embassy in Baghdad, as well as the U.S. consulate in Erbil. And uh, just to note, like the U.S. didn't do this in 2014 when ISIS like took Mosul. The U.S. consulate in Erbil did not evacuate even when ISIS was within like uh, rocket artillery range of Erbil. Like they Are you didn't serious? evacuate. Yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> um, and but now because of some like political bullshit, they evacuated everybody. Um, and as a result, any aid organization or company that had some connection to U.S. government, which is you, um, which is me. Um, not to give too many details, but there are subcontractors of subcontractors, which means that if the highest level company or contractor, which is closely connected to an American government organization, if the U.S. government is starting to evacuate its personnel, its subcontractors have to decide whether or not they need to do the same thing, and the highest level ones did. Um, so that meant that there was about a week where I was um, unsure whether or not we would evacuate. Um, and it, it wouldn't be like, oh, we're leaving in like two weeks. Like, don't worry. It's like we're leaving now. Like, grab your passport and your like residency card and any cash that you have and like walk out the door and we're leaving the country. That's what we were like thinking it was going to be. Um but luckily, uh, cooler heads prevailed. At least they seem to have done so, so far. And, uh, I mean, it could still happen. I mean, I think we know that there's a lot of dumb people um, in government in the U.S. and probably in Iran as well. Um, oh, I'm and, sure. Uh, but I'm more worried about the American ones, at least and for my situation. And, uh, like, for example, the U.S. government said that, like, it warned airline companies flying over the Persian Gulf that they could be misidentified. <laughs> again? Are they, they going to put again, the fucking yeah. U.S. Vincennes out there for old time's sake? Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, like I, I, I tweeted about it when I saw the news. I was like, look, dear U.S. Navy, if you can look it up on flighttracker.com, don't shoot it down. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's a bad idea. You might get a medal for it, but you sh- you, it might weigh on your conscience. Yeah, it didn't um, seem to hurt his career too much. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, if we did start shooting down airliners, nobody would get in trouble for it. But like it's bad, um, so we shouldn't do it. And uh, I could probably like, find at least three people who work for certain news organizations who would disagree with you, Travis. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that's a pretty interesting segue there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's so dumb. All right. So before we start this reading series, oh, by the way, it's an entry in the reading series, uh, part two of however many for people who couldn't read the title. So if you don't want <laughs> politics all up in your donkey, go ahead and just leave uh we do we do this every once in a while because one i like everybody knows how much we hate people twisting historical fact to meet horrible present day policies um but you know we were looking so hard for an article supporting the invasion of iran and we just could not find one yeah I mean, I even looked (laughs) on a website called american greatness and you'd figure a website called american greatness or sorry, yeah, the American greatness would be like the that makes even less page. sense somehow. <laughs> it's incredibly stupid. I mean, there's no accounting for like weird American conservatives, but um, even they, like their main articles, were about like you know we probably should invade Iran because like we can't afford it right now. Um, of course, all the <laughs> reporting, all the reporting on like the events themselves were very was like it's like all the ammunition for like why we should go to war with iran of course it's all bullshit but like they gave all the ammunition blaming iran for everything bad that's ever happened like iran has to go like they're um america is as good as like the correct actor in the region but then they stopped just short of actually advocating for war because i think even anyone who looks at it for like more than you know five minutes realizes that like an actual invasion of iran is like at best just like impractical and untenable (laughs) yeah um and at worst like you know would be a disaster the likes of which we really haven't seen like in world history (laughs) since like the fall of the roman empire (laughs) i think this might um, be our soviet version of afghanistan (laughs) if we invaded iran there's no way we could handle that I mean, we would uh, beat be, them militarily, be, but I mean, we've, I think we've talked about this, that the, yeah. the, the position is completely untenable. Yeah. I mean, I think I've, I've talked to a number of people who were like, yeah, like we could probably win. And then I tell them that Iran is bigger than the entire Western front of Europe during World War II. And they're like, oh, wait, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a lot of space. And uh, Iraq is like smaller than France. Right. I think. Um, and it's still, we still didn't really win that one. <laughs> Although, again, as we will segue into, some people might think we have. Yeah. Um, or no, winning is yes. irrelevant. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's but but so yeah. So to sum it up, we couldn't find any articles um, supporting a war with Iran, at least outright. I mean, they would give all the ammunition to say that we should do the war and then say that we shouldn't. But which is surprising. I was surprised. I was surprised, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, which, which brings us to Max fucking boot. Uh, <laughs> um, so, ladies and gentlemen, 
We have reached the maximum amount of boot we we can <laughs> it's handle. The most you can have. Our boot runneth over. Um, <laughs> so I did not know who I knew about Max Boot. Um, I didn't really know who he was as a person. Like I thought he was just like a soulless ghoul who constantly champions for war, which he is. But like I didn't know there was so much more to him, uh, which is bad. Also, <laughs> uh, until I read an article that he wrote for Washington Post, which we will get to. But um, for people who are unaware, uh, we have to kind of get into Max Boot's background and why he looks and writes like a developmentally stunted kidney bean. Uh, I'm going gotta to untie this. Boot. Yeah, <laughs> gotta untie this fucking boot. Uh, first, his name. Uh, for people who are unaware, a boot is a Marine Corps term for a dumbass new private, um, which is something I feel like the Army should adopt because we don't have any cool nicknames like that. We just call them new <laughs> private. Uh, a boot is someone so dumb and worthless they are just a pair of boots that take up space. Also, a boot means vomit. Uh, both of these <laughs> accurately describe Max Boot. Um, yeah. The real pain here, and I, I feel like uh, Travis can probably identify uh, with my pain here, is that he actually did graduate with a history degree. So, like, oh. I can't, like, when, when we did a PragerU episode, I couldn't just, like, scream, like, these dudes didn't even fucking study history. Max Boot studied <laughs> history and just then decided to fucking throw out the window. Or UC Berkeley yeah. just fucking sucks. I don't know which one. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like... I just think people with history degrees, they, they go one of two ways. One way is they don't really question anything and they don't really spend that much time learning. They just like learn the facts, do well on the tests, and then graduate without ever having learning anything. And the other, the other history degrees, they all, become, uh, they all become communists in some form or another. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Max Boot definitely took the other turn there because uh, yeah. he graduated with a master's in diplomatic history from Yale. Uh, well, that's gotta be bullshit. It, I, yeah, I've never heard of that degree. Uh, also, yeah. if there's one, Twitter's awful. It's it's not cool. Um, other than if you're <laughs> gonna use it to buy my book, but uh, Twitter has done <laughs> one good thing, and that has proven uh, that you can go to Ivy League schools and still be a complete fucking idiot. Uh, yeah. Like not, Like before, I found my way into Twitter. Like I think like two years ago, I'm like, oh, he went to Yale. He must know what he's talking about. Like you don't get into Yale if you're not smart. Or at least rich, or both. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. And <laughs> like ever since then, it's been a platform that has proven to me that I'm absolutely wrong about that. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, my my experience with uh, like top level universities and the kind of people who go to them is it really is like half of the people are either like clearly like they deserve to be there. They're really really smart people, and like you really enjoy talking to them. And the other half is just like you can see why they're at a top level university because like they say all the right things and they, they you know, they, they talk the way the right, you know, those kind of people should talk like they all have they have the elite signifiers. But uh, there, there's just something missing, whether it's like in a true intellectual curiosity or just they're actually a huge dipshit. Like, yeah, it's, it's really frustrating um, because you'd, yeah. you'd hope that you'd hope that someone with a Yale degree um, or a Harvard degree or whatever, um, that that should actually mean something, but it really doesn't, uh, it really, it really doesn't mean that much. What you really got to do is look at their work, um, and then evaluate them. Especially if it's like a non-STEM degree. And, you know, I, yeah. as a liberal arts major myself, like, uh, the, the, like the Ivy league schools are really, really good for STEM degrees. They have some of the, the greatest minds in their fields. Absolutely. Um, but like when it comes to the humanities, 
Mm-hmm. It seems like everybody they put out is a fucking soulless ghoul. Yeah, it really depends. Um, and it depends on what program. Like, for example, I went to the College of William & Mary, which is, uh, um, at least for the East Coast, is a pretty uh, prestigious school. Um, like, a, it's a Virginia public school that sends a ton of people into government, think tanks, uh, stuff like that. And, uh, for example, like the poli-sci department and the government departments, um, no offense to the various people I knew who were in those departments, but most of them were like full on, like, like, yeah, like soulless ghouls are going to go into, um, like some creepy consulting firm. They're basically like Pete Buttigieg people. Um, (laughs) and, uh, if any of y'all have listened to other podcasts or read articles about Pete Buttigieg, he's like a soulless, ambitious guy designed to like advance in government. Yeah. Um, I believe our producer then, once told him to suck his dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's, I feel like that's really common in the, those kind of departments, so like poli sci, government, international relations, and to a certain extent history. Um, but if you get into like, I mean, I'm, I'm just here to recruit people into Middle Eastern studies, but if you go into Middle Eastern studies, you're, the hand, there's going to be a handful of people who want to go into like, the CIA, but they get weeded out once they realize that like everyone else in the department and all of the professors are like pretty left <laughs> because it's hard not to be. Um, if you know that much about Middle Eastern history and like American involvement in it. And so those departments, I feel yeah, like nothing are usually... bad ever happened, Travis. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so like, and, and the prestigious universities, they unfortunately are the ones with the money to hire like the academics for these like more interesting, smaller departments that are less likely to turn out these weird Pete Buttigieg types. But yeah, but then you get Max Boot every so often. Yeah. And, you know, he graduated with his master's and ended up making a really long, too fucking long career out of writing books and articles about the military and military history. And I think this is why I hate him so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has given speeches at both the Army War College and the Command and General Staff College. Uh, For people unaware, that's like a university for military officers after they are already graduated from like with a bachelor's degree. Uh, Like you go there when you're like, becoming a general and shit. Uh, <laughs> this guy spoke there. Uh, he originally considered himself a defense writer because he wrote a fucking blog about it. <laughs> but he, all he did is blog. He's a fucking blogger. Uh, the, the difference between him and that weird, like kind of sort of alcoholic mom that, you know, who always makes wine <laughs> jokes and her shitty blog is not like, there's not many shades of difference there, except one with the Yale. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. One one was a dork who read too much like historical military fiction. Like one read the Sharp novels by Bernard Cornwell, <laughs> and, and the other actually had fun in college. You know, I'm really disappointed. So, I mean, everybody is aware that I'm kind of like a weird Napoleon fanboy, which doesn't really square well with my political beliefs. <laughs> I get yeah. it. I get it. You don't need to point out to me. I am really sad there isn't a French version of the Sharp novels because I would buy those and read them re- religiously. Yeah, that would be tons of fun. It's it's a lot harder to like enjoy um, the sharp novels once you like realize that the British weren't actually the good guys necessarily. No, it, like that's why it's uh, my favorite part of that entire conflict is like the French despot was the good one. That's <laughs> <laughs> a shame. Yeah, one day. We'll dig him up and put him back on the throne. Uh, so <laughs> so after his his blog, he um. 
one of the things that he did on his blog was like scream about the need to uh, be at war wherever like he he could randomly think of. This guy has never seen a war he did not support. Like he him in war is like a, a boy when they're sixteen. Uh, you've never had sex, and you've never come close to it. But you're all about it in every way, shape, and form. Like you you're just talk about it a lot. Yeah, you talk you about it way too much. It. You make people uncomfortable with it. <laughs> yeah, you start to freak out your teachers a little bit. Yeah, uh, if anybody asks, you totally know how to go about it. Like, <laughs> there's a there's a war in Canada that like you just don't know. Like this war goes <laughs> have, to a different high school. <laughs> have you seen the the British show The Inbetweeners? No. Okay, well, for anyone in the audience who has seen the show, Max Boot is like Jay uh, from the Inbetweeners. Um, just gonna, I'm gonna hope somebody gets that. Joke. <laughs> uh, so through his blog, he got a job with the Weekly Standard. Uh, the Weekly Standard was a publication which has thankfully finally died, I believe, this year. Uh, that was built upon the lies of people like. Elliot Abrams, John Bolton, Bill Crystal, and Robert fucking Kagan. It was founded by John Podhoritz. <laughs> for famous pe- treat boy. Fa- famous treat boy. Uh, so for people who are unaware, John Podhoritz is a giant asshole that looks like a hefty bag full of cake mix and spends his free <laughs> times yelling at waitresses because food was three minutes late. He also uh, once told a uh, dear friend of the show, Francis Horton of Hell of a Way to Die, uh, that he should choke to death. <laughs> <laughs> And also, he uh, probably started the Iraq War. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so during his time with the Weekly Standard, Max Boot joined in with all the other soulless fucks and wrote dozens of pieces about the U.S. needing to invade Iraq. Articles titled like "Saddam Must Go: The Right War for the Right Reasons" and "What to Do About Iraq" and "The Bumpy Road to Democracy in Iraq." <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, you could call it that. <laughs> yeah, uh, they knew George W. Bush read their publication like it was the fucking Bible. Um, you know, I, I feel like um, I think we talked about this before, but I, I feel like um, it's probably a bit of a pipe dream of me. And maybe I think too little of the incompetencies of the George W. Bush administration when I say if the weekly standard didn't exist, we may have not invaded Iraq. Yeah, or at least maybe not in that way at that time. I, I considered the weekly standard, um, the yellow journalism version of modern day that caused the, uh, the Spanish American war. It's pretty mm-hmm. like it's ever remember the main, it was just like John Pohort's <laughs> talking about his burger at schnippers. <laughs> uh, first as tragedy, then as farce. <laughs> it's important. Uh, so this is all important when it comes to boot. <clears throat> he has never seen a war. He did not agree with or one that he supported. Um, further than that, he refuses to apologize for being part of the group of assholes that beat the drums of war. In 2013, he wrote, quote, the 10th anniversary of the start of the Iraq war has occasioned a lot of interesting and anguish appeals for those who have supported the decision to invade. All such occasions present a chance of reflection on what went wrong and, and right. And whether our backing for the war effort was misbegotten. Most of those who initially supported the decision to go to war, including our current secretaries of state and defense, long ago disowned their early hawkishness. For my part, I have resisted the urge to repent, as critics of the war effort would have it. (laughs) Maybe you should, you fuck. Yeah, like a million people are dead, dude. Thanks. He goes on further to brag about he still supports it. (laughs) And he said this when American casualties are actually at their peak, which means... Iraqi casualties were also at their peak. Yeah. This boot fuck has also written multiple books about the military and military history. One of them titled Savage Wars of Peace. 
and it was called <laughs> quote essentially meaningless by the journal of cold war studies <laughs> damn he also won an award for opinion journalism which is something so fucking meaningless it's almost impressive that's like if we gave out an award for shit posting <laughs> i mean honestly they should they should give that out now <laughs> i mean drill would win it every year oh obviously <laughs> but like he won an award for having opinions <laughs> so who stupid. gives a fuck <laughs> All this is yeah. so. All this is a bit of a warm-up stretch for the flawless exercise in insane ode to manifest destiny, titled "Why Winning and Losing Are Irrelevant in Syria and Afghanistan." Jesus, this is the main article that we get to today. Um, it's a doozy. It is the worst thing I have ever sat and read all the way through because. I did not read the entire piece from the last reading series because that you took that duty upon yourself, so I didn't have to. <laughs> yeah. uh, and this, I would argue, this is worse. And there's a reason for that. This yeah. was this year. Yeah. Um, we were reviewing an article uh, from prior to the invasion of Iraq last time. Yeah, I think it was from 99 or something like yeah. that. This, no, so when he was writing this, Max Boot knows everything we know. Like, yeah. he's not missing 20, 30 fucking years of history. Yeah. So, so this is arguably worse. And it's not racist. Well, it is. It is racist, but not as racist. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, it's not the same kind of, like, old school, um, old school racism that can just be, like, immediately dismissed. Because this shit still happens. I mean, this was what published on January 30th, year of our Lord, 2019. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, probably I don't remember when we recorded the the episode on what was it? Uh, Diakine. Diakine. Yeah, I forgot his fucking name, but um, that was probably we recorded that probably in like February or March or something like that. So this article was published, you know, weeks before we recorded that episode. Yeah, and uh, it's it is. I agree. I think it is in many ways worse. Um, because I think most most people going into the like high level defense like um positions or like military positions to like advise the president they probably are like smart enough to read why arabs lose wars and realize that they probably shouldn't be like handing that out to the generals you'd always hope hopefully um because it's like a little obvious now and it's been pretty thoroughly like excoriated by by us which clearly means that everyone thinks it's bullshit now yeah we got him um, he's definitely canceled now they're canceled <laughs> they're hardcore canceled um but this one i mean this was published in the washington post and isn't that the one where they say democracy dot yeah yes it's the on washington the, it's on the top post, fucking header <laughs> the, the, the washington post owned by jeff bezos um says democracy dies in darkness and then in 2019 Two years, almost to the day after Trump is, uh, you know, put in office officially, they publish this freaking article. So, like, this is, it's not as long and it's not as, like, maybe, like, fun to tear apart because it's just kind of infuriating, infuriating but it is so bad and dangerous. It's really bad. And, and the, the reason why it's dangerous is Max Boot continues to talk to people that are yeah. very influential in the military to include like the general staff college and things like that. Yeah. And <clears throat> the main reason why this is bad is because that it's all in the title. Winning and losing is now relevant. Uh, <laughs> 
so in the big, he writes, James Dobbins, a former U.S. envoy to Afghanistan and Pakistan, and his colleagues at RAND are close. You know, he's talking about uh, RAND. It's like a think tank. Are closer to the mark when they write, winning may not be an available option, but losing certainly is. A precipitous departure, no matter how rationalized, will mean will mean choosing to lose. The result would be a blow to American credibility, the weakening of deterrence, and the value of U.S. reassurance elsewhere, an increased terrorist threat emanating from the Afghan region, and the distinct possibility of a necessary return there under worse conditions. Huh. Uh, the RAND report is about Afghanistan, but the same analysis applies to Syria. <sighs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like where to start? Um, like, I, I, I guess like what they're talking about is kind of uh, if if you if you want to like back out a little bit, they're saying that since like the U.S. military won't necessarily be like defeated on the ground by the Taliban, no, of course not um, in Afghanistan, but just because they don't necessarily overrun all their bases doesn't mean we still haven't lost. Um, and so basically what they're saying is we don't want like the helicopter on the roof of the U S embassy in Saigon moment. And, uh, right. They're worried about how it'll look for us to leave. And I think that's why even, uh, when Obama pulled the majority of troops out of Iraq, he still left a whole, whole bunch behind. Yeah. Yeah. And also if winning isn't a possibility, the only other possibility is fucking losing. Yeah, (laughs) that's just how the world works yeah it's like what they say in talladega nights like if you aren't first you're last (laughs) yeah i mean i feel like we need to apply that to to our foreign policy like (laughs) the uh for the whole you know max boots one of those never trump or right wingers but um the whole you know the the group of people who constantly make jokes about participation trophies apparently only want one for the u.s military (laughs) that's that's the only thing that's working here and like we've we've come full circle back to the very fucking reason that max boot and those other people were making the argument for invasion in the first place we got to fight them over there so we don't have to fight them here like they're they're either thinking or hoping that americans are this fucking stupid or they're goldfish because like Um, i know i was alive hearing that and i still hear people say that well what if they come over here motherfucker the taliban is not going to afford pasadena like you're probably yeah. gonna be fine yeah the taliban the pashtun like nationalist islamist movement yes. is absolutely planning to invade like indiana yeah and uh, indiana institu- <laughs> yeah, an institute like sharia law on like one of the four million towns named springfield in the u.s yeah and uh like the guy who owns like the the used boat dealership and like lives in a cookie cutter suburb named like winding brook lane like their number (laughs) one fear is the taliban coming from afghanistan (laughs) yes because they clearly uh have the logistics necessary for all this to be necessary even though they can't beat the afghan army which is equally (laughs) as fucking worthless Um, yeah exactly like most people already put like even people who are as shitty as boot who don't want to pull out have punted that argument like 5,000 dead American soldiers ago. Yeah. And like the blow to American credibility, like that part. <laughs> Do you like, think we fucking have any credibility? <laughs> like, uh, we elected so a reality show TV host who wants to fuck his daughter president, man. Yeah, that, exactly. that boat sailed a long time ago. <laughs> and like yesterday I was talking to, to one of my Iraqi coworkers. She asked about like, so what about the war with Iran? 
And I was like, yeah, like, I don't think it's going to happen, uh, fortunately. And she's like, yeah, America's going to lose. America fucking sucks. Like, I mean, she didn't use those words, but um, the, the the point was there. I mean, like, nobody believes in the U.S. Like, I don't blame them. Like a handful of weirdos like Max Boot. Like, even the EU no is like, ooh, like, even the EU and NATO is like, yeah, we should probably move on from this whole America thing. Like, we, yeah. we have not only burnt every bridge but like we've burnt every bridge and then pissed off the precipice like it's <laughs> yeah, fucking pointless to make this the argument other side to fuck off yeah, yeah. like yeah. i mean obama kind of repaired it a little bit but only surface level yeah because um only like I mean, the I diplomacy think, level i mean the deal with iran yeah. was huge um but like you know he was still drone striking half the world yeah, exactly. I mean, for the people who got fucked over by Obama, like they didn't really care. But in terms of image repair, he did a little bit. But whatever he built up, Trump like stomped on and pissed on and then like threw in the toilet and flushed. But then it clogged the toilet and then the sewer backed up. And now there's just shit everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's um, literally every, <laughs> everything is shit. We are the dog sitting at the table in that cartoon where everything's on fire. Like, this is fine. This is fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we have no credibility. So we, we shouldn't worry about losing it when we pull out of Afghanistan. This whole <laughs> idea. We don't have anything to lose. No, at the, this whole idea of national pride and credibility is fucking bullshit because we have yeah. been drone striking so many people that like kids in Pakistan are afraid of the blue sky because they know more drone strikes will come. Like at, yeah. any, at any point you have induced a drone related phobia on children. Like, there's the no there's no pride to lose anymore we don't have any yeah um i mean okay and on a on a lower level like on a dumber level you go to the grocery store here in erbil and you have one side of the aisle labeled american products and one side of the aisle labeled syrian products and on the american side it's pumpkin it's literally pumpkin spice frosted flakes (laughs) and preserved preserved bagged mayo tuna um, oh, I assumed and, it would actually just be a, a, a kid named Trent who's going to shoot up the local high school. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the other thing that America, people think about America. And then on the other side, you know, on the Syrian side, it's like handmade olive oils and like um, like really good spices and stuff. But the American side is like pumpkin <laughs> spice cornflakes or something. We shit must like defend that. Western culture, Travis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's what when people think America, they think like garbage food, school shooters, drone strikes, and like dumbasses. That's what people think about America. Yeah, like literally the best thing we could do to improve people's opinion of America is make them see less Americans. Exactly. (laughs) Just like pull out, shut the fuck up, and uh, like just kind of hope people forget about us. Yeah. Let's just focus. Let's just focus on us for a while, guys. So he goes on to say, the longer U.S. troops stay anywhere, the greater their chances of achieving our objectives. When the U.S. troops pull out, the consequences are usually costly, whether it be the communist taker of Cambodia, Laos, and South Vietnam of 1975, or the rise of the Islamic State after 2011. Oh, boy. Okay. (laughs) Oh, boy. Let's look at some history here. Like, let's look at how the communists took over in Cambodia, Laos, and South Vietnam. Maybe it had something to do with the enormous, massive, illegal bombing campaign of Cambodia and Laos, which killed half a million people and emboldened the Khmer Rouge. 
And yeah. then we also supported the Khmer Rouge when they were fighting in South Vietnam. We support. We or, I mean, supported the Vietnamese, not South Vietnam. We supported the the, the Khmer Rouge government long after the, the Khmer Rouge stopped being the government because Vietnam invaded them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we were so opposed to communism that we supported like perhaps the worst communist government. Yeah, because Vietnam was fighting them, and we were still butthurt that they kicked our asses. The only reason that the Khmer Rouge didn't kill as many people as the Great Leap Forward or or anything else is because they didn't have that many people in cambodia (laughs) that was it yeah i know and the same with like uh the rise of isis um and it's interesting that he says the rise of the islamic state after 2011 (laughs) he's trying to pass that hot potato over to assad (laughs) yeah exactly he's trying to like blame that like he's like yeah like this is somehow because of the arab spring um which, like, yeah, like, ISIS did exist um, with different names, while, but, but all like, the way back to 2005. Yeah, and so that what we really blame the rise of ISIS on is, or really, I would say, put the date is like 2013, 2014, as when it started becoming a relevant um, entity that, like, was as we see it today on, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and also like let's like why did ISIS exist? <laughs> ISIS wouldn't uh, well, fucking exist if we didn't kill Saddam, you stupid bitch. Like <laughs> And even going back before that, like the early roots of the the jihadist movement in Iraq, I mean, you trace that back to US support for the Mujahideen in Afghanistan. Yeah. Um and the like Dawa US party. Pro- yeah, US producing um like you know, jihadist textbooks and stuff for Afghan kids and funding. Don't give that up. We talk about that in the Afghan Soviet. Sorry. sorry. (laughs) You can totally totally die. You're my source for that. Anyway, you're the one who pointed me in the right direction. (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, so like we, the U S is like largely responsible for the rise of like hardcore, um, Salafist Islamist movements in the Middle East since like the seventies and eighties, because we funded it. And supported it and kind of nurtured its ideological rise because we viewed it as a viable alternative to communism. And uh, that didn't work out great because then those, you know, people who we paid for to travel from, you know, Saudi Arabia or Egypt to go get trained in Pakistan and fight in Afghanistan. When the Soviets withdrew from Afghanistan, they didn't just like go back home and like go back to work at their construction company. They went to Chechnya. <laughs> uh, they went to Chechnya. They stayed in Afghanistan. Uh, they continued building. Yeah, they call them the Afghan Arab Brigades. Exactly. And then when the U.S. invaded Iraq in 2003, boom, they all went to Iraq and uh, um, helped form the like the Al Qaeda in Iraq or these other groups. Um, to fight against the American forces there. And uh, we're incredibly strengthened by the collapse of the Iraqi state and the descent of Iraq into chaos by the criminal actions of Paul Bremer and the, uh, like, provisional, was it the Coalition Provisional Authority or whatever? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, of course, the invasion as a whole. And so, like, we can't just say ISIS just sort of, like, popped into it, like, existence and out of, like, a vacuum, a contextless void in 2011. Travis, you got Um, it all wrong. A whole bunch of groups got together. You ever watch Dragon Ball Z? This is how it happened. (laughs) They they did the fusion dance, and when they touched the, when, when when their fingertips touched, ISIS was formed. Had nothing Whoa. completely independent. 
of American involvement. <laughs> um, and like, it, what's even fucking dumber than that? It's open and known history. Fuck, we talked yeah. about it on the show when yeah. the, the U.S. supported Kurdish separatists in Iraq to simply fuck with Saddam. And yeah. we did more than that. We supported the Islamic Dawa Party, which I believe yeah. is the one that crippled his son in an assassination attempt. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Way to go, guys. It's, it's Oh, it's that time. The CIA hip hop horn. Go ahead and hit that shit. They're back. We <laughs> can't go a single goddamn episode without bringing them up. Yeah. I mean, no, he's just... literally buying right back into the domino theory bullshit that even Richard Nixon thought was stupid. Yeah, I mean, everyone thought the domino theory was bullshit, like, even back in the day, and somehow we're bringing that shit up again. But, like, about ISIS or something, like, I don't fucking get it. I don't either. And he keeps reaching back into history to pick out the next reason we go to war. It'll be yeah. awesome when, when he writes, like, a Washington Post opinion article, why we need to invade Iran for spices or because Baron Trump's rightful claim to the Shah's throne. <laughs> like, I, I look yeah. forward to, like, oh, we just need to export all these opiates. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's going to be claiming shit like Baron Trump is actually, like, the the like the last remaining scion of, the, like, the Qajar dynasty or some <laughs> shit like that. Yeah, because some weirdo is going to be paying him to publish that op-ed in the Washington Post. I really look forward to when like, we invade the Holy Russian Empire because some dude <laughs> in fucking Mississippi has a claim to the Romanov throne. <laughs> and Max Boot will be there. Yeah, he'll be there and he'll be all about it. Yeah, his boot will be on the ground, except <laughs> not literally. No, safely from his computer while he re- operates <laughs> his blog in fucking <laughs> New York or wherever. <laughs> Jesus. And uh, like and and then he says um in this next sentence like while the Viet Cong weren't trying to attack the American homeland the Islamic state and Al-Qaeda are um the New York Times reports that US intelligence has warned that a complete withdrawal of US troops from Afghanistan would lead to an attack on the United States within 2 years. Like I don't know man that sounds like bullshit to me and also like <laughs> it has been like, bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we invaded Afghanistan in, what, 2001, right? Um, In, like, November or something. Um, And it is now May, late May of 2019. And I'm pretty sure, like, Osama bin Laden didn't show up in Springfield number 2045 and, like, started beheading people in front of the local Walmart. Um, So I guess... uh, I yeah. guess we can stop worrying about that now. I mean, by the same idea, like, you know, the nine, after the 9-11 attacks and we attacked Afghanistan, like, we very easily could have just left after yeah. that. Like, well, we could have just, like, even, like, a little bit of negotiation with the Taliban. Yeah, the Taliban beyond. completely agreed to hand over Osama bin Laden. <laughs> like, but the, the, the exchange was recognizing the Taliban as the government yeah. of Afghanistan, which who gives which a shit? we're going to fucking do anyway. Like, <laughs> two or three years. We're going to recognize the Taliban as a legitimate party. We haven't even labeled them as a designated foreign terrorist organization because we, if we did that, we would lose leverage in our fucking negotiations with them, which we also are trying to pay back. We're trying to reimburse the Taliban's travel expenses <laughs> like, like we, we are we fucking lost dude like we it's it just took us 20 years to get to that point when we no. could have saved all this trouble back in september of 2001 and just been like hey like can i hand him over all right here's like here's your travel expenses like 
you know, 20 years early. <laughs> you know, one um, of my favorite things is uh, uh, totally off top uh, subject. But I'm writing a paper on uh, the Confederate economy during the Civil War because history degrees are boring <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. And uh, I made a note that uh, more countries recognize the the Taliban than they, than they recognize the Confederate States of America. <laughs> and it's true. But uh, we, need to, we need to put up some uh, some statues of Mullah Omar in uh, <laughs> <laughs> in, in Richmond, Virginia. Go ahead, yeah. Go ahead and drop that bitch in middle of Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, it's like, and I understand that we didn't want to negotiate. We wanted to kill people. I understand how a revenge works. I'm not fucking yeah. stupid, but I have full faith in 20 years when the when the Afghan government is completely destroyed and is rehoused somewhere like rural Pennsylvania, <laughs> <laughs> that we will still have an embassy there. And ref, like it's like the Khmer Rouge. We recognize the Khmer Rouge all the way up until Pol Pot was living in a hut in northern Cambodia yeah. like, and it's had like, no control of anything else. What's what's the current uh, president of Afghanistan's name? Um, Ashraf Ghani, I believe. Yeah, Ashraf Ghani. He's gonna be living next to like Gulen, Maryam <laughs> Rajavi, and uh, like Ahmed Shalabi, like um, just like in this one suburb of Pennsylvania. Like Batista's fucking cousin that still lives in the <laughs> yeah. United States. Yeah, we'll we'll like call it Losers Row. <laughs> yeah. oh, Jesus. Uh, us and Robert E. Lee's great great grandson all have a timeshare. <laughs> It's like we'll rename the suburb to Lost Cause. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, uh, yeah. So he goes on to say advocates for retreat will argue that open end deployment is not sustainable. But that's not true. <laughs> US troops are volunteers. So as long as they're oh, taking God. many casualties, the public isn't de- opposed to their deployment. Okay. So Ooh. thanks a lot, uh, advocates for big retreat. Um <laughs> Yeah, this is so dumb because the the Iraq war, anti-Iraq war protests before the invasion were like the largest in American history until like World this history. year, until yeah. when the Me Too movement, I believe, broke it or whatever the hell oh, they want. Yeah, women's yeah. March. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. broke that like this, this year or, or late last year. Yeah. Um, Forever war is totally, is not just sustainable, totally acceptable because we have an apathetic American public doled by the yeah. constant news of 20 years of war. <laughs> Fuck I it. Just, I just love. <laughs> I love this sentence structure. Advocates of retreat will argue that an open-ended deployment is not sustainable. But <laughs> it's like I'm not racist. Yes. <laughs> this is the I'm not racist of foreign policy institutes. <laughs> yeah. People are saying we can't go to war forever. But if you look at the charts, people simply don't care. So we can do whatever we want. Uh, yeah. It's like U.S. troops are volunteers. Yeah. But like, I mean, kind of. Like, this is I mean, the modern warfare version of a pity fuck. Like, yeah. <laughs> you just keep asking and asking, can we stay at war? Can we st- stay at war? And the public's finally like, fine, fuck it. We don't care. Like, you got yeah. a, you got a pity fuck. You're getting a pity yeah. fuck for foreign policy. That is ending. Yeah. Like, we're taking probably our lowest casualties right now since, yeah, we like, are. 2001. But, like, that doesn't change the fact that every time there is, you know, some new guy gets killed in afghanistan um it's in the news because every time it happens people are like fuck like we're still there like, i why make did sure to make a point die? of it yeah yeah like the last person to die but i mean i'm i might be wrong here uh the last person to die in afghanistan i believe i think he's a ranger or something he was like three when we invaded or when 9-11 happened yeah, I mean, didn't th- there was an article I saw a couple weeks or months ago where a Marine got deployed who was born after 9-11, I yes. think. Yes, and they tried to make, and it was like him and his dad got deployed at the same time or something ridiculous uh, like that. And they, tried <laughs> to ma- and they tried to make it heartwarming. 
Jesus, that's so depressing. I I just don't understand. Like, it's like the idea that we can just continually abuse our military with constant warfare just because they're volunteers is just so disgusting. Uh, it only can be written by someone who's never actually had to do anything in his entire life. And, and like that, that goes beyond our casualties. And I know like it sucks when a soldier dies, sucks when anybody dies, but like for every one person that in uniform who is killed, we're killing so many civilians. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Dozens or hundreds, depending on which war we're talking. Yeah. And they just and, decided and to stop. They, they, they recently decided to stop reporting it because it was so bad. <laughs> It's so fucked up. And not to mention that, like, if we're looking at it from a purely selfish reason, um, I think I think it was on the uh, maybe the Eyes Left pod where they were talking about how during like certain parts of the Afghan war, you know, maybe not a whole lot of Americans were dying, but they were having something like one amputation, like every like 12 hours or something like that or every day or something like that. And uh, like just because people, American soldiers aren't dying there doesn't mean that they're not still being um blown up or having you know being shot to pieces or even just uh you know i say just ptsd like that's still you know obviously a horrific yeah debilitating issue that you don't even have to be killed like shot or blown up or anything to suffer from the effects of being deployed to to war and there's hundreds of thousands of veterans um with ptsd and it's going uh, mostly untreated um, yeah and, and one of the um, things that people don't understand is the advance in technology has led to a skyrocketing amount of grievously wounded people coming home. Yeah. Like they're like, Oh, our casualties are really low. I'm like, no, just a killed are. And like, there's still been thousands of Americans killed in the wars. Um, yeah. Well, it's, it's, I mean, like you said, like the only person who can say shit like this is somebody like Max boot who hasn't, like you don't necessarily even have to be like in the military, be deployed to get it. You just have to kind of have like, you have to look at it as more than numbers. Like he says, U.S. forces have suffered six fatalities in Syria and 66 in Afghanistan since 2015. Those losses are tragic, but yes, yeah, <laughs> and it's like no, the, like you dude. just can't st- like yeah, these people died, but it could be worse. Like no fucking yeah, you shit. You can't say a but. Yeah, like the, the, their families, their friends, uh, you know, all the people who um, were involved um, in, you know, like the, the just because somebody dies doesn't mean like, you know, dozens of people are going to have to take care of the body. And that itself is traumatizing. Yeah. Um, and so like one person dying means dozens of casualties and then dozens of people back home being, you know losing a family member or a friend or a loved one. It's like, it's not just six fatalities. It's not just 66 since 2015. Like it's not just an average of 18 a year. Like you can't say that you can't put these into numbers and have that really mean something. It, it, um, it tells you who he is as a person because the only yeah. number he talks about is how much it costs in dollars. <sighs> like, it, yeah. like, well, it might cost, you know, however many billions of dollars, like how many fucking, what's the pressure of constantly rotating through deployments on people, their families and like their untreated mental health. Like Nick, Nick, my co-host most of the time is a soldier. He's probably going to deploy eventually rich. She's a soldier. She'll probably deploy again. Like, and like it weighs over them. And like, cause the things that they, they're worrying about and things they have to do and the things that their families have to worry about. And like, those are, that's two out of, you know, a half million people that are go through this. Like, it's like we have made deployments, to a war zone routine, which is absurd. Yeah. 
And isn't it like a new rule now where like you have to be deployable or something yes. like that? Yeah, you have to be in. able to go. Yeah. Yeah. Which means that like everybody in the military has to be have that like constantly weighing over them. Yep. Um like every kid who wants to just like get the college or get like the job training or something and get out after like four years or whatever, doesn't matter. They like the moment they sign the paper, they have to start worrying about like, am I going to have to go to fucking Afghanistan and become the next poor fuck who gets blown up by an IED and then nobody gives a shit. And the only thing people think about when they see my name in the news is fuck, we're still there. Yep. That's it, man. Everybody, the whole military, millions of people. Yep. And uh, like that, is uh, like just such an enormous unquantifiable cost um and that he just doesn't even it it doesn't even rate a a mention i mean this is uh, leave it to a a a fucking yale graduate who really wanted to stick his dick in a skull so he could be in some secret society with the bush family this guy once cited rich people as an embattled minority in america he's (laughs) he's the guy that's hand waving away the death and destruction the war has brought an entire generation of afghans iraqis syrians and americans yeah he's just like nah don't worry about those and this is (laughs) this is where things get even worse he writes these kind of deployments uh, are invariable in length and frustrating think of our indian wars which lasted roughly 300 years that's right, boys. We went zero to white man's burden in 60 seconds flat. Oh, God. Oh, oh shit. I, for, I forgot. White man's burden is actually the name of, of a poem that he actually got the name from one of his books from, The Savage Peace. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, a, it's fuck. A Kipling, I didn't put that together. Yeah, it's a Kipling book <laughs> or Kipling oh, poem. <laughs> dude, you can't, you can't do that. Like, dude, Rudyard Kipling was like... Hella. He got his own son killed in <laughs> war. Like that's the one person that you don't use for this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, like he literally wrote the fucking poem called "White Man's Burden," and it's not satire. Like as no, far as not. I remember, it's not satire. Um, it's like it's like genuinely advocating for like using um, like not not specifically military force, but like for white countries to. I think it was written specifically actually about the the u.s colonization of the philippines i want to say i could be wrong about that but it was around that same time where it was like um euro euro people so including the united states um they have to go into the like these dark savage regions like africa um and colonize them in order to bring them to civilization and uh even at the time he was widely mocked um like i think i can't remember who i think it was some french guy wrote a poem that's like a satire of it called the brown man's burden or the yeah. black man's burden or something like that where he's like yeah the brown man's burden is getting fucking machine gunned by the white man's burden um in the name of civilization <laughs> yeah um, and i did not know that boot unironically referenced kipling <laughs> for an entire book yeah uh Christ. okay <laughs> yep and the kipling isn't the guy you want to use for for advocating war because he advocated for war all the way up until his unap- unending appetite for the the western front of world war or world war one got his own son killed like his son they made a whole movie about it um <laughs> His son had really bad eyesight, and at the time, you couldn't enlist if you had glasses. So he used his connection to get around that and get him a commission, oh. and which got him immediately killed. 
because he was wearing glasses. He lost them and then got machine gunned. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Good job, fucking boot. So he goes on to say, U.S. troops are not undertaking a conventional combat assignment. They are the policing on the frontiers of Pax Americana. Just as the police aren't trying to eliminate crime, so troops are, are not trying to eliminate terrorism, but instead to keep it below a critical threshold that threatens the United States and our allies. This isn't as satisfying as pursuing unconditional surrender, but as we, as we may discover before too long, it beats the alternative. Okay. Jesus Christ, dude. So he is in favor of fighting in Afghanistan for their 280 years. <laughs> 280 years. I mean, so we invaded in 2001. So I guess he would find it reasonable if we eventually leave in 2,281 um, and he's, when his great-great-great-great-grandson um, also Maximilian not enlisted. Bruce, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did not, yeah, oh, who God. did not enlist. Uh, no one in his family has enlisted. Uh, he will be advocating for, you know, kind of re-upping the war in uh, Afghanistan Um or what's left of Afghanistan uh, after we've drone striked literally all the mountains into dust. And there's, it's just a flat plane in the shape of Afghanistan. He'll just be Abdullah Abdullah sitting in Kabul saying the mission's going <laughs> great, but like his head's in a jar from Futurama. <laughs> yeah, and the Taliban will still have more than 20,000 members and control 80% <laughs> of the country. Yes. Yeah, and I like how he also cites uh, the British deployment on the northwest frontier, today's Pakistan-Afghanistan border. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the famous time the British lost, like, hard in Afghanistan. Yeah, we made an were, entire like, episode about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it was embarrassing. Um, and also the entire reason the British were in that region was just to, like, prevent the Russians from having yeah, it, too. they literally called and, it like, the Great Game. Yeah. Um, and then the British like left um, in disgrace because they couldn't hold it eventually. I um, have no idea how anybody can get an article published citing the Indian Wars, which is, I will say, one of, if not the greatest sins in our history, just yeah. outside slavery, yeah. um, as something we need to adopt. That would be like if Angela Merkel's like, look, guys, I understand we're having a problem with uh, migrants but <laughs> if we look to the holocaust <laughs> and everybody's like hmm i'm listening like that yeah. is exactly what max boot did we committed genocide yeah. against the native population of the united states yeah. he is advocating for genocide <laughs> that so is what he's he doing we, we need to like go into kandahar or something and be like all right everybody grab a blanket we're gonna give you we're gonna give you some really great territory in uh yakutsk um <laughs> It may be below zero Celsius all year round, but believe me, it's amazing place. It's yeah. amazing territory. We're just going to walk you there. It's a short walk, only six or 7,000 miles. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, no problem. Just like, just go shoo and uh, that's it. And now we'll, we'll settle. We'll settle Kandahar. Um, yes, that's he's saying like, look, <laughs> guys, um, so go ahead, gather your belongings together. We're going to walk in a trail. Um, we're going <laughs> to keep walking. Yeah, there might be a lot of crying. Um, some cavalry soldiers might rape your wife. Uh, we're going to walk to Argentina. There might be some <laughs> land down there. I yeah. understand it's not ours. It's not yours either, but it's fine. Uh, we understand <laughs> that you're not Argentine and that's fine. Um, uh, yeah, it's, reservation, no. 
Yeah, uh, the the Indian Wars are a national crime that should yeah. stain our nation's history until the heat death of the universe and never once be used in any positive anything ever. I mean, and if you look, it's quite apt that what he wants yeah. is a military related genocide, because like even though poverty and starvation and, and, and disease played a huge part in the native population dying, that was spread through military action and uprooting entire yeah. societies using the military. Like he accidentally advocated for genocide. Say what you will about Ben Shapiro, but at least he's up front <laughs> with his with his wanton destruction of the Palestinians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it, it's. I guess he he may have a history degree, but I I've def, I've still met tons of people who with American history degrees who just refuse to believe that somehow we were wrong in what we did um, against like Native Americans. Um, and they'll what they'll do is they'll either just pretend it was necessary, say it was kind of bad, but like you know they fought us too, or just put all the blame on like the English as if all of it happened before 1776. Yeah, and uh, like you, you you can't any you spend five minutes reading about the actions of the American military or American settlers um, on the Western frontier starting in 1776. All the way through till fucking 2019, yeah. and uh, like it's it's atrocious the it, whole time. So we have a, quite a few international listeners. Uh, so for people who maybe did not fully understand what happened in the American West, um, the government's mission was to break the soul of the Native American people until they were either all dead or lacked the will to resist colonization any further. Native children were kidnapped, forced into schools, and forced to be white. Uh, massacres were committed at Wounded Cree, Sand Creek, and countless of other places. Native Americans were forcefully located to burn stretches of land onto reservations that were only a few shades away from concentration camps. Um, and, the, and those reservations are through various government programs. They still exist today, and they are still mostly kept in abject poverty. Yeah. Um, it is gross, uh, for lack yeah. of a better term. Uh, this Pax I mean, Americana shit... Um, is just fucking gross. Like it, yeah. it's just so absurd. And, and you know, they obviously they they stole that from Pax Romana. Um, another thing they stole from history and badly reapplied to modern day. <laughs> yeah. That did not mean Rome was at peace. That meant nobody was invading Rome. Yeah, <laughs> that's all that meant. Because Rome was busy invading everyone else. Exactly. They were they were fighting, raping, and destroying uh, native cultures all throughout. You know, Germania, and 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 I don't think they're quite in in Britannia yet, but all over the place. Um, yeah. All that meant was that citizens at home could rest peacefully, knowing that it wasn't going to happen to them. Um, and if that's the future that we're aiming for, I have some really bad news about how the Roman Empire ended because <laughs> it's not good. Yeah. Well, like uh, just going back to the uh, the the Western frontier, like the whole Manifest Destiny thing. And the way the Americans uh, conquered the West, as it were, it was directly cited by Hitler and his gen like general plan East yeah. for what to do with uh, Eastern Europe and Russia um, by killing or displacing all you know Russian people or Slavic people and resettling it. Like the Hitler, the the, 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 the crimes of Hitler too. Yeah, yeah. The the crimes of Hitler in World War Two were essentially taking the crimes of Europe and the United States, what we did to Africa or to the native Americans and just doing it in Europe, um, on a large industrial scale. 
Um, it, it wasn't anything new. Like he learned it from the best, the United States uh, or, you know, Europe, you, what the UK did in South Africa or in India. Like, or Belgium did in Congo. Yeah, Belgium and the Congo. Like uh, none, there's, there's, there's nothing new in this world. Um, it's just people remixing um, people's previous uh, songs, as it were. And they don't, um, they're just sampling them on, on, the, on the international <laughs> stage of SoundCloud. Yeah, exactly. America so if, is the world's mumble rapper, is what we're saying. <laughs> exactly. Um, so you you could argue that like the the Holocaust was just Hitler like you know sampling Manifest Destiny, and so what Boot is doing is essentially sampling Manifest Destiny while kind of ignoring the fact that Hitler did that too. I mean, um, uh, so th- they're gonna yeah. have a beef. I think yeah uh, i look soon. forward to the max boot hitler rat beef <laughs> and and even though it's uh off topic to to, uh, to cite hitler again um yeah he got the idea of eugenics from the u.s too so whoops yeah, yeah. our bad world um you know <laughs> sorry he he even called these america's frontiers this was like what bothered me like that yeah. bro i'm pretty sure there's a several tens of thousands of miles away from our border i, yeah, I guess when like you that. freebase old weekly standard issues kabul looks an <laughs> awful lot like the dakotas yeah it was it's like that 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 classic um i think it was a tweet or something where it's like oh like you're you're defending our freedom in afghanistan like how the fuck did our freedom get over there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what's it doing over in afghanistan yeah when when, um, when did it leave <laughs> yeah, this this abortion of a take quickly earned boot the ire of pretty much everybody uh with uh, with a soul left on every platform of social media yeah. uh, it quickly led him to defend himself in a tweet storm where he uh where he said the main difference between the wars was american soldiers aren't committing war crimes in afghanistan which ignores <laughs> multiple people are serving life sentence in prison due to committing war crimes okay side note here i wrote this script before the eric gallagher thing started coming up uh so yeah um turns out it's going to be a whole lot more like the indian wars than we thought because uh, al gallagher is going to get a pardon he's going to run for office and he's probably going to fucking win christ he's going to be fucking president and like after so biden's going to win in 2020 he's going to slash eric, the national debt yeah and then fucking eric gallagher is going to run for president in 2024 on like a platform of like yeah like i killed a fuckload of iraqi cities like civilians like it was fucking cool i only felt and, recoil uh, yeah jesus christ i hate that meme and uh i had it cited to he, me like this week oh jesus but yeah he's, <laughs> he's he's gonna fucking win like eric gallery's gonna be fucking president in 2024 or 2028 and like his vice president's uh, gonna be fucking baron trump yeah, and like fucking Dan Crenshaw will say something like mildly critical of Eric Gallagher or something, and Dan Crenshaw is going to become the fucking Democratic presidential nominee opposing Eric Gallagher. Um, <laughs> I hate this timeline so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what we're that's what we're aiming for with this shit with the uh, pardoning war criminals. I mean, not that not that Trump's actions are like particularly like they're they're obviously egregious. But like you talked about in the, um, I guess, I think it was the Haditha, Haditha massacre episode, like pretty much none of the people who did that got punished. No, um, they made sure of it. Yeah. And so I know for a fact that there's a lot more Eric Gallagher's out there right now in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Yemen. Um, there is. Uh, Syria. Absolutely. 
Um, and uh, just because we're prosecuting this one guy doesn't mean he's the only one. I mean, just the, the fact that his squad like took forever <laughs> well, to like they tried. Um, they tried okay, to report fair. him multiple times, and they were warned that they would like this is going to destroy your career. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to report it anyway. And then they tried to kill the report. Um, you know, they they did not back down, which yeah. is that should tell everybody how awful it is, yeah. because one, it's soldiers. Well, he's not a soldier. He's in the Navy, but it's military people ratting out other military people. And more than yeah. that, it's special operations reporting on their own, which is fucking unheard it's of. Never happens in, unless you're fucking Eric Gallagher. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. And that, uh, that should tell you how bad he is. And the, yeah. and to go further and we said there's absolutely more people. I wouldn't I will say there's probably less people that did awful as awful things as him, but mm-hmm. there's definitely a couple people still floating around who shot innocent people and planted a gun. Yeah. I've heard oh, multiple yeah. people admit that they did it to me, or like they, they admit it to me that they did it. Yeah. And like yeah. thinking I mean, that they're talking to a friend. Yeah. Like just because you didn't kill dozens of people doesn't mean there's not probably th- hundreds or thousands of American soldiers during like the troop surge in Iraq or in Afghanistan who did smaller scale, but similarly criminal right. um, things um, to Iraqi people or Afghans. Um, and those are war crimes. They may not have ever been reported or punished. Um, no, they're absolutely are war crimes. crimes nonetheless. And then all the, like uh, we probably killed the Iraqi government estimates that 40,000 people died in the battle of Mosul, um, mostly due to American airstrikes. Maybe those aren't technically classifiable as war crimes, but that doesn't really matter to the families who died. Right. Um, they're like, the actions are like, it's still pretty fucking bad. If we go off our own definition of war crime during the Nuremberg trial, it's not, but if you go off of, the UN statues, it absolutely is. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's, uh, yeah, th- that is the nature of human conflict in counterinsurgency operations. There's, yeah. and that's why you simply should not do them. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> you cannot put people in situations where they're not fighting someone who is wearing a different uniform and is going to stand and fight you like a soldier and expect mm-hmm. not awful things to happen. Like, it's, yeah. And I'm not explaining those things away. I mean, you cannot look at a single counterinsurgency war from human history and not see awful amounts of war crimes. In fact, most counterinsurgencies are won by the side who does more war crimes because that's just war crimes as strategies. Yeah. And I mean, that's not something we should ever aspire to be. Um, Yeah. So when a lot of people pointed this out to Max Boot, he immediately began to backpedal, but not on the shit you (laughs) thought he would. Um, he, he said he didn't, uh, he didn't say what you think he said. He was simply misunderstood. He said, quote, I wasn't (laughs) suggesting us troops fight with muskets and ride horses. Like that was any of the (laughs) shit that anybody was upset about. Yeah. Jesus Christ. What a fucking asshole. He even went with the, well, both sides hate me. So I must be doing something right. Excuse to defend the massive (laughs) amount of hate he was getting. He literally said that (laughs) to put this in a way that boot might understand both Shia and Sunni are planting IEDs. So that must, that must mean we're winning, right? (laughs) If if both the U S and the Soviets are attacking me, I must be doing something right. Like (laughs) it's so fucking stupid. So he eventually, uh, so sick of, of the, the endless tirades. He published an entire other article titled on Wednesday, the Twitter mob came for me where he compared himself to the Covington Catholic kid. 
<laughs> and said people mischaracterized what he was trying to say. Uh, he obviously wasn't talking about the bad parts of the Indian Wars. Only the good parts. Those, what oh, yeah. those good All parts? Good part, yeah, the right. good parts he doesn't bother trying to expand upon because I'm assuming he couldn't find one. Yeah, you know, like he, his favorite part was what, like wounded knee or something. Yeah, like, his, his. I mean, they gave out like 20 medals of honor for that, so it must be good, right? Uh, Did you do an episode of that one? Not yet. I'm definitely working on it. Uh, I mean, that would be like I'm not talking about the Third Reich. Only the good parts, like when Hitler banned smoking in public, <laughs> or like he really liked dogs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, you joke, but a lot of people unironically say that kind of shit. I mean, that should tell you the like the duality of an awful dictator. Like, yeah, sure, Hitler did those things, but he was also fucking Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> In yeah, closing, exactly. I'll say this is what Boot does. He makes a living being wrong. He has fucked up every single thing he has ever done while trying to smooth it out over and over and over. And he still has a high-paying job and is part of a think tank that recently attempted to smooth over another genocide. His books are a perfect outline of a failed American foreign policy. He is a guy that has made his living as a fake expert. I will not call him a historian, because that title requires critical thinking, which Boot clearly lacks. He seemingly brags about going out of his way of failing to develop that skill. He rubs elbows with military officers and gives speeches at their schools while writing articles about how American soldiers need to fight forever so, so, so suburban dipshits like him can feel safe in their racially segregated neighborhoods despite the fact he never fought for anything himself. Max Boot is your friend who's really into general manager mode of a sports video game or, is anno- or your annoying <laughs> friend who's really into fantasy football. He swears he can do oh, it God. just as good as the real actual experts. If he was in charge, none of this would be happening. Instead, he is a man who literally looks like the sketch artist's rendition of the Zodiac Killer. And he is, <laughs> he is exactly like the review of his own book, essentially pointless. Oof, damn. <laughs> damn, you canceled the shit out of him. Max Boot is canceled. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I hate him so much that yes, I know this, like, nobody listening to the show will ever, like, read a Max Boot article and be like, you know, he really has a point. And I, yeah, I get that. That's fine. But and if he would have just said, maybe we should just stay in Afghanistan forever uh, because I I don't want to admit that America lost at something, I wouldn't even have made this episode because once you drag history kicking and screaming from the pages and try to apply (laughs) them to foreign policy in a horrible disaster in like a horrible genocidal maniac kind of way. Like I, I have to make a a hate episode about it. It's it's I have no choice. This one was long overdue. I mean, as uh, you know, I I know we've talked. You and I have talked. We don't really think that we're necessarily going to go to war with Iran, at least not in the the near future. But I don't know. I feel like maybe someday it might happen, and uh, we're gonna have fucking people like Max Max Boot just going out there and being like, you know, maybe twenty thousand Americans did die on the first day of the war in the Straits of Hormuz, but really, that's not that many. If you look at World War Two, yeah. Um, <laughs> if you look at the Somme, uh, like, yeah. If you look at the Somme, only sixty thousand people died on the first day of the Battle of the Somme. So really, we're like only a third as bad. So in that reasoning, we should continue this war and uh, until everybody except me has been drafted and fought and died. Um, I know when I know when Saddam invaded across the Khuzestan, he only made it five miles. <laughs> In his first day, we made it six. So, so really, 
we're winning. <laughs> this could be going much worse. Uh, but yeah, it's like I know that the only way we can win now is the like deployment of nuclear weapons, and that we're currently in the process of firing the missiles. But really, it's Iran who is the aggressor here um, <laughs> because of uh, because they they put a they may have put a missile on a sailboat. Maybe where we think we're not entirely sure. Actually, I mean, have you ever gone uh, so hard backwards through history? You ended up back at the fucking Gulf of Tonkin incident, like unironically, because <laughs> that's what we're doing. Fuck. No, no, no. It's it's worse. At least we pretended that the v- Vietnamese attacked an American ship. Like now we're <laughs> pretending we're pretending they attacked a Norwegian oil tanker. Like. Who gives, Who a, gives shit? a shit? Like Norway doesn't give a shit. Like so, why should we? Yeah, Norway's like, no, guys, this is really cool. This happens like on the reg. We'll be fine. And like, no, no, fuck you. Like this is like we are the a guy in a bar who is drunk as shit, and somebody just looks at him from across the world. You fucking looking at me? Like yeah. And Iran is like, no, man. I I just I'm just trying to get to the bathroom. I fucking <laughs> bitch. I'll fucking hit you. That that's that's us. I mean, yeah. we are now the annoying drunk in a bar that nobody wants to admit is the guy that they brought with them. Uh, Jesus, yeah. But, but uh, Travis, thank you so much for <laughs> coming on. This are, this whole episode has made me upset, and <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I hope yeah. it has the same effect on everybody else. <laughs> That's honestly, like, whenever I come on the show, it's like, let's just get really mad and yell about America for uh, an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, you, and, tend, you uh, tend to do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, unfortunately, that's what my, what I know about, um, both in uh, from my education and from my job. So, uh, well, I mean, whenever yeah, we talk about anything from the region, I try to bring you on because you always have. You know, there's there's people who are taught who like to speak from a position of expertise on the Middle East or Iraq or Iran or whatever, and they've and they've never even been there, let alone studied it. Yeah. And I am guilty of being that. I literally made a six-part series about being that guy. Uh, but <laughs> well, I at least I cracked a history book or, or six before yeah. then. Um, but you know, <laughs> it takes a lot of study for me to, uh, to, to fake my way into being a podcast expert on a subject. Yeah, um, and at least like you admit, you know, your whatever limitations you may have on a given episode. Yeah, and like, you're not you're not like fucking minimum shoe who uh, who uses the fucking Indian wars as a positive justification for war in Afghanistan. So I, yeah, I feel for like that. for my next series, I'm just do a whole <laughs> bunch of DMT and talk about chimp dicks like Joe Rogan. That'll probably my <laughs> probably my best bet. <laughs> yeah, it'll probably be better for your mental health too. Definitely. Uh, so, would you like to plug your Twitter? Or I know you started writing uh, little pieces for with Medium or something. Or you can go ahead and plug those. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I might. Um, I guess what I, all I can say now is just uh, the only plug I can give is to follow me on Twitter. I'm, I'm trying to post um, maybe some articles about the uh, the whole Iran thing in the next couple of days. If um, if the work continues to be slow. Um, so I'll be writing those hopefully. Awesome. But yeah, follow me on Twitter. Um, Haycraft underscore Travis. Or just search T55. It's probably going to be one of the first things that comes <laughs> up. That's right. Uh, our holy armored mother. Uh, so you can follow the show at lions underscore by. Um, you can uh, donate to Patreon if you think what we do is worth a dollar and get a whole bunch of bonus stuff as well as access to the communal discord uh, which we run with the hell of a way to die podcast and that shit is the Thunderdome it's hilarious um, yeah. if you like a shirt buy a shirt 
all that money goes in right back into the show and helps pay for the the growing library of books I've managed to acquire. <laughs> uh, I went to a bookstore in Canada uh, and managed to find cool. a book for the fucking show. So I, I literally never stop. <laughs> uh, I am entirely too yeah. online. Um, also, Dude, if one, you once a poster, what's that? Always a poster. Once a poster, always a yeah. poster. Never stop posting. Um, never stop. If you enjoy military history, but also sci-fi, buy my book, Citizen of Earth, because I enjoy paying my mortgage. Um, (laughs) Until then, we will see you next week.